Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with Maureen Metcalf, and today we are going to be talking about vertical development and spirituality. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and create the organizations they want to see as industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellowship. Uh, I am also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that our guests, returning guests, are Terry O'Fallon and Kim Barda. Terry O'Fallon, PhD, has focused the last 14 years on learning and change in human systems as an applied researcher. She's worked with hundreds of leaders studying the interventions that most effectively result in developing leaders who can implement beneficial change. She has her PhD in Integral Studies from California Institute of Integral Studies and is the co-founder of two organizations. She and Kim Barta, the two, our two guests today, have created Stages International, an organization that focuses on how the Stages developmental model can support insights into our growth as people, leaders, guides, and coaches, and the kind of impact these insights can have on our influence in human collectives. And Terry is one of the people I've studied with for now probably over a decade and someone who I've considered a mentor and a close friend. So I'm delighted that she is rejoining us. Uh, She is joined by her co-founder, Kim Barda, Uh, who has his master's degree. He's an internationally recognized licensed professional psychotherapist, coach, spiritual guide, and speaker. His work and insights spring from grounded experimental practice with self and others in his cross-cultural and lifelong experiences. Currently, Tim has teamed up with Dr. Terry O'Fallon to present workshops and trainings internationally in a new model of human development designed and researched by Dr. O'Fallon. Stages International Mission is to offer programs and services to individuals and organizations basing, based on a unique developmental model. And again, I, I want to say I just completed a course with Kim on working with Shadow, and it's an amazingly beneficial program. So while this is not supposed to be a sales pitch, I can say these, both Terry and Kim are people I respect immeasurably for the work and research they're doing to change how we think about leadership and how we develop leaders. So today we're going to talk about vertical development and spiritual development. And the reason that was so important to me in selecting this as a theme was as we look at the number of leadership challenges we face and in the area of 
questionable ethics and questionable judgment. Terry and Kim have done extensive research in the area of vertical development and spiritual development. And while lots of people talk about spirituality, the work that that they have done together really looks at quantitative development rather than than uh, in at the intersection of spiritual and leadership development. So I think that is a unique approach. I haven't seen it with anyone else, and I have found it incredibly effective with our clients. So a fundamental aspect of all spiritual paths is that of ethics, which can broadly be defined as emotional intelligence, social intelligence, behavioral intelligence, and intellectual intelligence combined with moral intelligence. In their view, any path, whether traditional or otherwise, that has an impetus to grow these aspects of the self up is spiritual. And when we say grow the self up, we're talking about how do I develop all of those voices within myself. With this broad definition, uh, they can help people see each of the areas to grow and develop and mature our leaders and help them support social structures that hold organizational integrity. So both individual integrity and organizational. So I know that was a really long intro. Welcome, Terry and Kim. Good morning, Maureen. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Good morning, Maureen. Nice to talk with you today. Thank you. So let's, the first segment, we're going to talk about defining leader development and spiritual development. So let's start with how do you define leader development? Because I realize for our listeners, there are probably as many definitions as there are people listening to the show. Well, I guess we could start with just saying that that uh, everybody grows up, of course, and we know that even our children grow up, and we don't have any trouble looking at or accepting that children have different ways of thinking and believing and behaving as they become more and more mature. But some people don't recognize as that continues on all through our adult lives. And when it comes to defining leader development, one of the ways that we look at this is that we get leadership qualities and capacities from the very, very youngest times as a child. Uh, They learn certain kinds of of qualities that are important in order to be a good leader. Uh, for, for instance, they, they learn about uh, initiating uh, something, they learn about following through, and they learn about completing. Leaders have to have those skills or they don't do a very good job of leading. Now, children learn that at a, quite a young level, but when we speak of leading, uh, we realize that every growth area that we have encountered through our lives teaches us something more about about leadership. And that is that we can stand where we are and see all of the things that we've learned. And at that point, uh, we can see a larger and larger picture. So our leadership development capacities grow and develop through time as well. And so when we say leader development, what we're talking about is that that we access all of the kinds of leadership skills and and insights and perspectives from a very early ages and keep uh, including those and adding on to them throughout our entire lives. And this is a way of saying that our leadership 
grows up because we get more and more insights and capacities developmentally. Kim, do you have something you want to add to that? Yeah, thanks, Terry. Often when people talk about leadership development, they're talking about skill development. What new skills can I develop? What new skills can I acquire to to make me develop as a better uh, leader? When we talk about leadership development, we're talking about perspective changes that allows us to see, see things we've never even seen before. It doesn't matter what skills you have. If you can't see things, you can't apply the skills to them. So let me give you an example of that. At 1.5 on the stages developmental model, you, you can remember your little toddler children running around. And if they want something, uh, and these are those leadership skills that Terry was just talking about, the little children are developing. They're developing autonomy, initiative, follow-through, completion, and celebration. And what they do is if they want a toy, they will unautonomously, out of their autonomy, they will want the toy and they will go about getting it and they might get it by pulling it out of somebody's hand or hitting somebody over the head or, you know, crying really loud until they get it or different things like that. And uh, and eventually they might get the toy or might not. But when they move into second person perspective, 2.0 on the stages model, see at 1.5, they don't really see friendship. What they see is what they want and what they want, they're going to try and get. And that's why we have to, as parents, set boundaries on them. When they move into 2.0, they actually see friends. They see that other people see them. They see that other people are people too, just like them, with their own wants, their, their, their desires, their passions. And now what they want is instead of trying to take the toy out of a friend's hand, they'll give a toy so that they can have a friend. They'll let go of the toy so they can have a friend. They are seeing the world in a completely new way. They're seeing the world of friendship and that moves them into the pro-social world that we all uh, get to enjoy, the world of friendship, of love, of relationships, and all that beautiful stuff that we live in. Well, a similar thing happens in leadership development. Uh, For example, our 3.5 achievers, our typical leaders, are very similar. They have autonomy, initiative, follow-through, completion, and celebration. They have all kinds of skill development that they're having. But they may not see second-person perspective on a subtle level. They might not see what we call fourth-person perspective, which is going from what the organization wants or what I want in the organization to what's best for the whole organization to what's best for inter-organizational development, or in other words, What happens when we take a look at the entire globe? Are we destroying our entire globe uh, because we're all trying to get what we want, similar to how a little toddler runs around trying to get what we want? And in the process, we might all be running around trying to get what we want to the point that we uh, kill ourselves off. And so this is the perspective shift that we're talking about. It's not just about developing new skills. It's about developing a new perspective that allows us to see things in a different way. So now we can see business culture and go, what is the culture of the business really like? And how can we develop that culture in a way that's going to make life alive and vivacious for everybody? And that's the part that you're now calling vertical development, right? That I move through one of the numbered stages so that I see a different perspective and an additional perspective beyond what I saw previously. Exactly. So now that we've level set on 
leader development, what are you calling spirituality and spiritual development? And I realize that some of our listeners will have an allergy to anything around spirituality and religion. And I would encourage you not to turn off yet that this may, even if you have an allergy to a a given experience, conceptually, this is really important. Yes. um, um, We often see uh, qualities that are important and we don't call them spiritual. And yet in our spiritual life, we see these very same qualities and do call them spiritual. So I can give you an example. There are certain states that some people call spiritual states that are required in order to move up in the developmental ladder. I can give you an example. Uh, if you're at a early, an early third-person perspective, a state that you need to have uh, in order to move into the, the achiever or the more mature third-person perspective is, is that of contemplation or reflection. Now, uh, you may not think of reflection as being uh, a spiritual state, but uh, contemplation or mindfulness, there's a lot of words for that particular approach. Uh, that is, uh, is a very, very important thing if you're going to move into the third person, the late third person perspective, because in that perspective, you have to not only be able to reason, reason with uh, you know, diagrams or, or pictures, but or reason with uh, with your own visualization. But you have to take a perspective on your own thinking. So you have to take a perspective. You have to have a reflector that is capable of looking at your own thinking and actual and your own reasoning and actually uh, look to see what's happening with that reasoning. Is that thinking affecting the way you feel? Uh, or, and if it is, then maybe you can change your thinking. And if the thinking uh, uh, changes the way you feel and you feel better, then you can choose the kind of thinking that works better for you. Uh, there's all these kinds of things that these, these many different kinds of things that happen when you have a reflector, an access to a reflector or to reflecting and con- contemplating on your own reasoning. If you don't have that capacity to reflect or contemplate, then you can't take a perspective on your reasoning, and it's very difficult to plan. And even if you plan some, you can't change your planning very well because you can't reflect on your thinking and watch where you're going wrong or watch where things are working well. Uh, No business can do well without planning. And so uh, a lot of people pay attention to their planning. They don't know they're reflecting on it. But if you notice that you're doing reflection work, that is actually uh, a spiritual capacity. Uh, it is, it is uh, similar to contemplation. It's similar to mindfulness. It's attending to your thoughts and then noticing what thoughts are working for you, noticing which thoughts are not working for you, changing those thoughts, noticing what happens when you to your feelings or to your work or other other areas, um, noticing that, you know, that uh, when you change one process like that, all of the others change as well. That is a very, very uh, beautiful capacity 
but you need to have the capacity to reflect and contemplate in order to actually make that a useful skill for yourself or to take that particular developmental perspective. So Kim, what do you, what do you say about this? Thank you, Terry. Um, I define spirituality by that which is our leading edge of states or stages. Um, and Terry gave an example of that. Um, and so to dive into this just a little bit more, I have a little story. I, uh, and I want to tie it into what Maureen was saying earlier about if you have an allergy to the word spirituality or religion, to just relax a little bit and let's just hear about this a little bit more. I worked with a fellow who was uh, a scientist. He was raised by scientists. He never had religion. He never believed in religion. He didn't have a spiritual practice. He was a beautiful leader in, in uh, the university system, uh, doing great stuff. He came to me. We did some work. And he started having these experiences because they were on the, because I was able to identify his developmental edge. And he started having these sensations in his body, which he, which was wonderful to listen to him as a scientist. He said, Oh, this, this is what some people probably call spirituality. And it was very delightful to hear really, you know, and so, um, the, the point is you don't have to believe in religion. You don't have to believe in spirituality. You don't have to have it. Uh, the point is when you're on your leading edge, there's something vivacious and there's something exciting about it. And when you're there, that's kind of what we're talking about spirituality. So if you're on your cutting edge as a leader, you know, and, and it's, it's new and it's exciting, it's vivacious, that's because you are actually entering into what I would define a spiritual state. It's just in a business uh, orientation. And when it's when you're on your leading edge and that, that excitement is there and that vivaciousness is there, you're, you're optimal because all of your neuropeptides are firing. You know, you're, you're excited, you're alive, you're aware. And uh, that, that really uh, brings you into a vivacious place in your business where, and, and your work so that it's very exciting and you're bringing the very best to your work because it's really, really bringing you to your leading edge and making you alive and excited. Perfect. Thank you, Kim. We're going to go on break now, and we will be right back with Terry and Kim Barda. I really like your definition of spirituality, and we'll talk a little bit more about the intersection between spirituality and leader development when we come back in segment two. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. 
Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. We are with Terry O'Fallon and Kim Barda. And we're talking about the intersection of spirituality and business and how spirituality and leadership can commingle to create better leaders and more ethical organizations. So what's the difference between shadow soul and spirit in business? And for most people, the term shadow soul is something we don't know. Okay. Well, if you study psychology at all, um, uh, Jung brought up the concept, well, Freud and Jung both brought up the concept of the unconscious, and shadow is Jung's version of the unconscious. And the unconscious are, is the part of ourselves that does all these things that we're not conscious of. Now, some of that is the stuff that just like regulates our breathing and our heartbeat and stuff like that. But other aspects of it, in particular, when we use the term shadow, it's about those parts of ourselves that come out at inopportune moments. We might all of a sudden get angry and we don't know why. A good example of the use of shadow is, have you ever noticed that you're, you got this beautiful plan, you're moving forward, this is what you want to do, and all of a sudden you're sabotaging it. All of a sudden you sabotage it somehow. You might plan on getting good exercise and then you find yourself eating donuts. You might plan on, uh, you know, uh, doing a particular business plan and somehow you find yourself sabotaging it and it's not coming out quite right. This is because of our shadow, our unconscious and when we really dive into the shadow, there's parts of our unconscious that have different, different values or different desires than our conscious mind does. And if we're not aware of these unconscious drivers, they can sabotage our businesses, they can sabotage our love lives, they can sabotage our parenting, they can sabotage every part of our life. And so if you're not aware of shadow, you can get caught uh, not uh, having, uh, uh, you can end up getting caught um, uh, compromising your business as a result. Now, soul, as we use the term, soul is the depth of our connection to our authentic self. If you're deeply connected to your authentic self, then what will happen is 
if you're deeply connected to your authentic self in business, you are going to really be uh, fully present to your business. You're going to bring your whole self there because what's happening in business is really lighting up your deepest authentic self. And spirit, as we said before, is our leading edge of states and stages. And if we bring this to our business, then business can become this spiritual evolutionary growth experience. What I said before, where you're just on your edge and you're excited about what you're doing and you're vivacious and alive and you feel like you're growing and learning and everything's being brought to the present. So if you bring, if you clear up your shadow and you bring your full self and you bring your exciting leading edge to business, you are going to have a workforce. If everybody in the workforce is like that, what a rich culture that would be and how alive it would be and how much more effective, efficient, and joyful it would be for everybody. So that presumes then that as business leaders, we're creating a culture and systems and processes that really allow people to grow, that reward trying new things and the stumbles that go along with trying new things, that, that we acknowledge and celebrate people's effort as well as the resounding successes. Sometimes it's the stumbles that are really the, the first step is often the hardest, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're celebrating that, uh, we are creating a culture that acknowledges and rewards growth rather than a traditional culture where, where we're about build the plan, work the plan, deliver the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if everything's on the plan, like I said, some people might be a little frustrated. Some people might feel compromised. Some people might feel annoyed. Uh, shadow is going to come out and then you're going to get sabotaging of the plan somewhere in the system. If, if people are felt like they can't be their full authentic self, that means that a shadow part is going to come out because they're going to have to suppress part of their authentic self. As soon as you suppress a part of your authentic self, it goes to shadow. And then what happens is sabotage occurs behind the scenes where you're not even looking. So if we build a culture that actually uh, allows people to be their full authentic self and finds the right place for everybody so that they're on their spiritual leading edge and can be authentic, your business is going to just be turbocharged. And so let me give a, a concrete example of a colleague that I've been working with, close collaborator, someone I trust highly, who just stopped hitting deadlines. And he was frustrated with himself. I was frustrated as well. And what became clear is he's been undermined by colleagues in the past. And to avoid that undermining, he just stopped delivering. So he undermined himself before somebody else could undermine him. He's aware of it, but struggling to figure out how to stop himself from doing this behavior. And, and Kim, I, I would suggest and, and help me refine the example, but I would suggest that that was shadow coming up. Uh, well-intended, he's got the skills to deliver. It's something inside of him that that is responding to a past issue that's causing him to undermine his current performance. That's exactly right, Maureen. You nailed that perfectly. This is a shadow issue that's coming up. He's undermining his own capacity, so his full skill development isn't coming to the plate. And we can see in this example where he was undermined by other people, we need to build a culture where people, where he has, and especially for him, a special sensitivity to that, um, help him understand how he is supported and loved and help him develop that capacity for himself so it's not always dependent upon the organization around him. 
So uh, you're using words like supported and loved. And again, I'm thinking of my decades of consulting. Most of us, by the time we get to a certain age, have been undermined by somebody. Mm -hmm. Many of us have lost a job for downsizing or mergers or acquisitions or any number of reasons that really weren't about our performance. But at least for me, when that happened, it still felt personal. It felt like a failure. And as all of that stuff accumulates over time, we can feel like we need to protect ourselves from the next thing that's going to go wrong. And it really, as leaders, we need to do the personal work of cleaning up those past slights so we're not responding to them. And organizationally, we need to create that kind of support. So as Kim said, you can show up fully, which equals I can deliver better results. If I'm afraid that I'm not going to be supported, so I'm just not delivering, then my results will be less. And, and one option is to fire me and find someone new, but we all have stuff. So it's not like you're going to fire me and find the next guy who has no history of something that shows up in the work. So, so the other alternative is to create an environment where people continue to improve those little deficiencies. And I'm not talking about an inability to get to work in the morning dressed, but, and, but we all bump into on occasion places where we know we could do better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the art of building a, a culture that can bring all the members of the, of the uh, organization, the business organization, to their full potential. So we've talked about it a little bit. How do these benefit the business? Um, Terry, do you want to chime in before I carry on? Well, what I can say is that, you know, if you clean up your shadow, that's good, but it's not enough. You have to... Uh, allow for the full authenticity and ha put an openness in your business in a way that where people can be successful in their role, but they also can express their full authentic self, as Kim has already said. Uh, and uh, uh, so each one has its own part. Then there is also, uh, uh, when that actually manifests uh, a sort of, um, I would say a, 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 a care about everybody and a, a, a freedom that is there that allows work to get done, but still full authenticity uh, to be uh, opened up and expressed. And, and ethic, a, a very strong ethic of, of caring and, and, uh, looking out for each other and all that kind of thing really happens a lot then in that inside that business. But then you have how that carries into the outside. If you have an ethic of do no harm or uh, making sure that you take care of everybody in your business, how do you do that with all of the other businesses and the other organizations and the other connections you have outside of your business? Uh, you know, you may find that it's important to have a good, clean, uh, healthy environment inside your business in order for people to feel good about their workspace. But then do you uh, demand a, a, an appropriate ecology with your supply chains? You will want to pay your people well, but do you demand uh, or work, do business with people who, who pay their folks well? Uh, 
Uh, there are different ways that you can, can extend this beautiful uh, care and ethic uh, to the outside world such that the whole world ends up changing. Beautiful. And of course, you know, to, to bring this back to your specific organization, then an organization that supports a person to explore their personal issues uh, will keep those, uh, those shadow issues from creating problems in the work environment. And if you think about like just like a car transmission, if you're driving your car down the road, if just one gear, if just one gear within the transmission goes out, it can, it can stall the entire car. Uh, it's not like uh, in any, any particular person that has a shadow issue in the environment can really uh, have an impact upon the functioning of the whole environment. So if you have an organization that helps people clear that up, then you don't have all the broken down problems that occur in business. And an organization that supports everyone to discover their deep, authentic self uh, helps because then they can bring their full self to the work and, and find meaning and purpose. And, and all of us know that if we have meaning and purpose in our life, in our work, then we work better, we work harder, we work with more gusto. And then an organization that supports everyone on their leading edge of states and stages, that, that, that feeds their own evolutionary growth. This makes the work environment an evolutionary uh, business, spiritual practice, for lack of a better word. And it puts people on their leading edge where they're excited and enthused. So if you can imagine a group, an entire business that, that is cleared up of shadow so you don't get little sabotaging between workers and, and projects going on. You have an organization where everybody's their deep, authentic self and they're coming with meaning and purpose to their work. And you have an organization that people are on their leading edge where they're excited and enthused about what they're doing. You are going to have a business that's going to perform at its optimal level. Thank you. I love the idea that uh, that you're tying in engagement. You're tying in what some people have called deliberately developmental. We create an environment where people develop based on the culture we've established and that that is integrated into our external relationships with supply chain and also with our clients so that we are developmentally deliberately developmental and ethical that when we're on this developmental trajectory I think we have a, a much smaller tolerance for the win at any cost behavior Yes, it seems to me that we certainly do. Uh, if you learn to care for everybody in your business, uh, have a support where their shadow issues are, are easy to explore without being punished with uh, a business as vibrant as Kim talks about, uh, the natural next step is to, be, and, and that is ethical treatment with good working conditions, good pay, all of that is ethical treatment, uh, you know, as part of it. That's part of building the environment. Uh, uh, and, of course, that's going to seep over into the ways that you work with other, other organizations. I actually have an example of that. I know somebody who works with a very, very large corporation. It's a corporation that's all over the world. There are supply chains uh, all over the world that they get their their material from. And uh, uh, there is uh, one lawyer in that business that uh, has this kind of an ethical attitude and has been working in this organization for some time. And uh, she was someone who noticed that the business that they had was uh, were, were buying from 
uh, poor people in in countries, and the countries actually had a legal uh, uh, approach, uh, a, a legality that that they needed to that people needed to be paid well their wages and everything, but it, it was never enforced. And so, so people who were buying from them outside of their country were getting a pretty good uh, deal with it. But uh, she went to her uh, business, her, it was a global business, and, and insisted that they follow the law, that they pay their people, uh, the people in these poor countries, uh, what was due to them. And that organization changed their policy on it. And so they outreached in an ethical way. And uh, uh, it, their whole organization ended up doing a much more ethical kind of a process that way. So we see that happening. And sometimes it happens with only one person having that recognition. Sometimes the whole organization can be like that. And usually uh, the, the betterment of the people that you work with uh uh, often ends up being a, a better situation for you as well in your organization, surprisingly so. Thank you. That's a beautiful example. We're going to now go on break. And I would invite, as we are taking the break, our listeners to think about what are examples where surprisingly or not surprisingly, raising, in some cases, raising costs to treat people ethically results in a much better business outcome than you would have anticipated. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to focus on the big picture. But a growing business requires compliance, regulations, tax issues, and more. Listen to Candy Messer and BizHelp for you. Our program takes the guesswork out of the equation in order to give you the answers and peace of mind. From payroll to labor laws to entrepreneurial tips, you'll find something new with each week's episode. Biz Help for You can be heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Vertical Development and Spirituality as the topic for Innovating Leadership. You are with Maureen Metcalf, Terry O'Fallon, and Kim Barda. And we're going to jump back in. For people working on this uh, on their own leadership maturity, how would they integrate spiritual maturity framework to support their development? And I'm going to make this a two-part question. It's my understanding that at the later stages of of leadership maturity, spiritual development is critical to making it to those later stages. Actually, Maureen, uh, every developmental level requires a spiritual, uh, 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 something spiritual, a spiritual development. It's just that it's so ordinary now in our, it's so ordinary now that nobody thinks of them as being spiritual. I gave you the example of having to reflect or contemplate. Mm -hmm. That, That is something that everybody does. We don't often think of it as being spiritual, and yet it is the early parts of the spiritual process. And uh, so it is, it's really uh, an important aspect for us to recognize. Often we're blinded to what is the, the very early basis of what spirituality involves. And if you don't have that, then you're actually not going to, uh, you're actually not going to have uh, uh a, a, a new developmental stage. Uh, but at the very latest stages of development, the processes are obviously what people call a spiritual because they're kind of rare processes that most people don't get into. So I, I hope that that's helpful. Can you give an example of one of those rare processes for those of us who want to get to the later stages? Well, the thing is, is that these rare process, these rare spiritual stages actually anybody can get to uh, depending upon what their developmental level is. So uh, uh, those spiritual uh, processes are, are uh, like um, moving into uh, an experience of timelessness and boundlessness, uh, moving into an experience of, of having a, a witness. Some people get into a unified stage or state now, people at almost every developmental level can have that. They don't need it to develop, though. But there's one of these particular kind of stages that, uh, you know, the, of these states. There's one of these states that is required. And the later we, the later we grow, the more rare those uh, requirements are from the spiritual side. So... What I'm saying is that if you get into 5.0 and 5.5, you can't get into our sixth person perspective without understanding or having experiences of the timelessness uh, and maybe boundlessness as well and how those two intersect. Uh, Lots of people can have that at earlier stages, but uh, they... uh, uh, they don't ever develop to the next stage. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Uh, but uh, at the later stages, uh, timelessness is necessary 
Uh, but it's still not sufficient. There are other things that have to happen in order for you to move into those very rare, rare stages of the six-person perspective. And we don't have very many people there. The people that are, are most prominent now, the leading edge of most leaders now are what we call 4.5, the late fourth-person perspective, which is actually uh, sometimes labeled strategist. Sometimes the people give it a color. They call it teal. Uh, and uh, in that stage, it's, it's required that you have the capacity to be both aware and also to focus. Uh, and you must be able to walk back and forth between being aware and focus. Focusing is concentration. It's contemplation. It's the reflective process that we were talking about earlier. Uh, awareness is being able to zoom way out and uh, see a much, much larger picture. And then the adaptability that you get is by the capacity to zoom in to a small part of a, of, of a project, a business, a, a, a system, and see what needs some adjusting, adjusting it, then zooming back out and noticing how that's, how that's working. If it seems to be working, you could zoom back in and step into that experience and find out how does it feel, how is it working for you, and, and then you can zoom back out and watch everybody. So you, you can use this adaptability, this incredible adaptability that people can get at, these, at this 4.5 teal stage. Uh, but to do that, you need to be both uh, have the con- capacity to reflect and to uh, be aware um, to contemplate and be aware and to move back and forth between the zooming in and zooming out using those two capacities. It helps you see things like assumptions, projections, all kinds of things that make you a wise business leader. And so concrete skills or practices would be then, and I this is a question, not a statement, uh, would be the ability to reflect. You talked about uh, noticing my assumptions, uh, inquiring more than telling. Uh, do, are there other specific practices for somebody who wants to put this into action that they might take up? And let's do that in about a minute so we can jump to then the people of faith. Okay. Uh, Kim, do you want to say something here? Sure. You haven't had a yeah. chance to talk. So for one question. of the, Yeah, thank you, Terry. One of the things you can do is, um, let's say you're in an organization and you're figuring out your own career goals and what you want, right? You're, maybe you're a business leader. Maybe you're even the head of the organization. You're wanting your own career goals. You're wanting your certain goals. What happens when I uh, take a, a view from that perspective versus what happens when I take a view of me and my partner working together on this career? What happens when I take a perspective of the whole team that I'm working with, not just me and the team, but what happens if I go, what is the perspective of the team, not me, but the team? Uh, what happens when I zoom out and just see the team and I'm doing what's best for the whole team? What happens if I zoom out a little more and go, what's best for the whole division of the company? You know, if I can hold that perspective, that, that, that could be considered a spiritual state, but in business... It's, it's a very practical state because I'm holding a larger perspective. And if I'm in a business leadership role and all I can see is my own goals, I'm not going to do what's best for the team. I need someone who can hold the perspective of the whole team to lead that team. And I need someone that can hold the perspective of the whole division and what's best for the division 
to run a division and I need someone who has the perspective of the whole company to run the company. And if I have someone who can uh, run the whole company, they can understand how the best for one division and how that interacts with another division. So you're holding larger perspectives while you're engaged here. And that is, that is one aspect of, of zooming out that Terry talked about. The more that you can hold the, the, the value of everybody within that perspective, the better business leader you're going to be because you're going to see all the intellectual, emotional, physical, interconnected dynamics going on. And you're going to be able to design systems that are best for everybody and for the company for its most efficient, effective, and joyful experience. And seeing things globally as well. Yeah, you can zoom clear out to the That's global. That's right. Then yes. you zoom out to the global and we're looking at, I'm sorry, Terry, go ahead. Oh, Maureen, I think you wanted to interject something here. Well, I, I wanted to then move to, for people of faith across denominations, how might they leverage their spiritual development to support their leadership journey? So we're looking at, as for leaders, how do we develop our, how do we leverage our spiritual practice? For people more in the spiritual focus, how do you leverage leadership development? Well, I, I, what I'm, what I'm, uh, uh, seeing most here, uh, having been involved in quite a few different uh, spiritual uh, uh, denominations, is that there are certain uh, aspects of every do- that, that seem to come up in almost every denomination. And I mentioned one of them. I mean, oftentimes there's some kind of prayer that comes up at the earlier levels, uh, and, and, you know, at, at different parts of, of our, our spiritual life, prayer will come up. Uh, but prayer is often related to, uh, you know, what are, what are the uh, ethical principles that we are holding to in our, uh, uh, in our life and building a basis for ethical thinking. Then you move to this con- contemplative uh, uh, process where you are contemplating and where you are aware, uh, where you're where you're basically contemplating and and uh, mindful of your thinking and noticing how that affects everybody else in your in your own process, then you will gradually move to a place called awareness, uh, like I mentioned before. Uh, almost every they may not call it awareness, they may not call it contemplation, but if you look across, there's usually a place. In every organization, in, in every denomination, that that has some kind of practice of working with awareness, and finally, you know, you become aware that you're aware. Uh, so these are generic terms, I think, that go across denominations. And Kim, you may want to uh, make some comments about that. Yeah, what you're really asking here or describing here is what we call a breadth issue when we're working with people. And organizations. So what happens is you might have a particular skill set, say, in, in one part of your life, say, in your religion. You might have a very devotional practice. You might be uh, very ethical and very caring. You might be taking a picture of your whole community, and then you go to work, and all you're doing is, is doing your work, doing your job, and then coming home. What happens when we, when we transfer that spiritual practice of caring for the community and living an ethical life, when we bring it into our work, what does that do not only 
for our own internal health and well-being to bring that into work so that we feel better, we feel more whole, we feel more moral and ethical. Uh, but what does it bring to the organization when we live an ethical spiritual life in our business world as well? And how does that affect the other people around when we come from our own spiritual practice? And that doesn't mean cramming our religion down other people's throats. It just means even just quietly living it in the way that we operate, the way that we think, the way we believe, the way we feel, the way we interact with other people, um, with uh, respect for everybody else having their own uh, religious practices. Uh, so that's the interdenominational part. You know, that's the tolerance part. That's the part that comes up where we um, expand the concept of our spirituality from our own little group to larger and larger groups. Uh, for example, if I'm if I'm a Catholic, can I expand my Christian um, uh, generosity and well-being not just to Catholics but to all Christians? Can I expand that now from all Christians to all uh, all Judeo-Christian religions? You know, from Christianity to Judaism to Muslim. If I can do that, can I expand that to all religious orientations like Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism um, and all that? And can I expand that even to uh, between the religious and non-religious, if I can bring that spiritual practice of caring uh, for all and, and broaden that and then transfer it from my spiritual practice into my business, and if all of us are doing that in our business and we are creating a very caring, loving, uh, spiritual um, and vivacious uh, type of experience, a beautiful work environment for everybody. And that circles back and talks about what we discussed earlier is how do you create this kind of environment in our organizations? And Kim, I think you pointed out something that's so important is I think many people of faith practice their faith outside of work and the workplace hasn't been a place welcoming to those beliefs. And yet the underlying principles of most faith systems are care and grace and benevolence that we should welcome and encourage in any work environment. And that's, that's not soft and fluffy. It's, it's kindness. That's right. It just creates a better business culture. And this is where businesses can actually be spiritual leaders because, because what happens is when we go to our spiritual practice, we go to our church perhaps, Right, and now we're working with all the people that believe the same way we are. But but when you go to business, you're working with people that have multiple different beliefs, from agnosticism to atheism to every type of religion. And so what it builds is a, a it's actually an environment of tolerance, which actually expands our spiritual development. And so businesses in this way can actually be the leadership of spiritual growth because now I need to be tolerant to non-Christians or to non-Buddhists or to non-atheists or to atheists or whatever. I have to build this tolerance. And if I can bring my spiritual practice to a broader level, then that's where business can actually provide the environment for spiritual growth in a way that churches can't because churches are all in-group and it's a lot harder for them to create the environment of in-group and out-group, which expands our spiritual development. Okay, so I just noticed the time, and we have to wrap up. I'm loving this discussion and wish we had longer. Uh, in about 30 seconds, where can people find resources from you? 
Well, you can go to st- the Stages International website, uh, stagesinternational.com, uh, and we uh, have a variety of resources right there for you. Great. Thank you. And email addresses, is that on your website? Yes, it is. Great. Yes. And I've read many of your papers, and they're really very helpful, so I would encourage our listeners to do that. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. We love to hear your feedback. Please email me info at innovateleader.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or with the, the show Innovating Leadership on Facebook. Thank you very much for joining us, and we hope you join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.